My Lime Radio 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 The streets is busy Jay busy Jay busy Yeah and we're back So as I said uh, our guest today is going to be none other than Nikki Lundquist. She is a human rights lawyer. She is also on the Durham Durham District School Board as a trustee, and she's currently running for Whitby Central Ward Counselor. Nikki, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me this morning. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, listen, um, <clears throat> we had the chance, well, we haven't actually met in person, but we've been communicating back and forth for a little bit now and i want to say thank you for coming on the show thank you for doing this i mean it's going to be a lot of fun We've got a, a few questions to ask well <laughs> more than a few questions to ask but a few questions nonetheless <laughs> so let me ask you how you doing i'm doing great actually um yeah i i feel like um there's a tide that's turning in Whitby politics, and I'm happy. I'm happy to be a part of that. Frankly, that's excellent. So let me ask you, before we get into the the politics of everything, sure. You are um, a human rights lawyer. How did that? How did you come about doing that? Is that something that you always wanted to do, or is that something that you know mid career you decided to do a change and then get into it? So I have a bit of a different path, Angus, honestly. So um, I had a child when I was 18, so it took okay. me a longer time to figure out what my career was going to be and how to get there. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's a, that's a long path from, from teenage mom to lawyer, frankly. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so when I went to law school, I still didn't think I was going to be a lawyer. I thought I would... Um, I thought I would be a professor. I thought that that is where my heart would be. Okay. But there was a strike. And during the strike, I worked in a legal clinic because I wasn't comfortable crossing the picket line. And I did workers' rights. And I started doing some human rights stuff from a very kind of micro level, right? Like not the big picture human rights stuff that that you see on TV right. and, you know, the international criminal court kind of stuff. But actual like on the ground day to day kinds of cases that affect people, real people right. in their real lives. And, and it just, it spoke to my heart. And I was very lucky that um, my interest was was allowed to be pursued, frankly, uh, and I was encouraged to pursue it. And so I did. And it has been an absolute blessing for me. That's amazing. So a child at 18, oh, mm-hmm. young. It young, was, it was too young. It was too young, <laughs> well, but he's great and lovely and you know, I, I wouldn't change a thing about, about the lives we've built. Nice. Now you only have one or do you have? No, I have another one. So he's obviously older. My kids are 16 years apart. And I joke that I joke that I have all my kids 16 years apart. So I should be having another one anytime, which is not going to happen. I'm totally kidding. I'm just tormenting Uh, my spouse. uh (laughs) Are you sure about that? Yes, I'm entirely certain. Uh, uh, All right. All right. Next thing you know, I'll be talking to you and say, guess what? I'm pregnant again. What? Oh, no, no. I'll be saying, guess what? I'm going to be a grandma and I'm pretty okay with that. That's, you know, to me, that's the next stage for me. That's the next step. I hear that. And so have you had any major, I know that you, you, you were involved in one of the major cases of human rights for labor, labor law. You're currently working with, um, 
Uh, Unifor. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. yes. So how is that going? It's good. You know, it's, um, I, I've actually taken a new job recently as the senior director for equity and education, Okay. which is exciting because it means I get to work with the membership to actually try to build a sort of human rights culture. Okay. And so instead of talking about equity and inclusion and diversity and justice, frankly, from a vague level, it's actually talking about how do you build that up in your workplace, like right on the ground floor, because the union is actually about the members, right? right. The union isn't anything other than that. A union is its membership. Well, that's and what it's me, supposed to be anyways. Yeah, well, that's what I'm going to work to make sure it is. Um, and I'm, I'm excited about that work because I think it's deeply meaningful when people actually understand they do have some power in their workplaces when it's collective power. And, and that's, that's what we want, especially when you come with a union. You want to be able to have your voice heard and say, hey, listen, you know, I'm feeling this way or I don't think that this is right. And what yeah. can we do about it? And the union is supposed to be there to, to be the voice of its employees. And every know? voice, and every, right? Exactly, and every voice, not, a, not just selective uh, yeah. individuals or a selective group. It's everybody. Everybody it falls under that same blanket. And so, you know, congratulations on that. And, and I hope that by doing that, you'll actually help other unions to start doing the same thing. I'm hopeful that we can we can all sort of look, step back a little bit and look at the work that's been done and and kind of regroup and say, okay, you don't build human rights from the top up, right? Yeah. That that is never going to work. You actually talk to the people who whose lives are impacted by the fact that they don't have fairness in their workplaces. They are subject to harassment. They are subjected to discriminatory behaviors from their employers, but also from the people they work with. So I'm going to make sure people have the tools to address those kinds of things. And I'm going to work with everybody who will work with me to do it. And I'm excited. Excellent. Excellent. So let's segue over to your trustee, yeah. Durham School Board. Now, how did that come about? <laughs> and first, let me ask you this question. Sorry to inter interrupt you. First, let me it's ask okay. you this question. What is... A trustee. What does a trustee actually do? Because to be honest with you, I have no clue. Yeah, I, and I think most people don't have a clue, including people who run for it. So I think a lot of people think they're going to go in there and they're going to write curriculum and they're going to sort of, you know, direct teachers right. and staff and and you don't have any of that authority. That is not the role of a trustee. So the role of a trustee really is to bring the voice of the community to the board so that when policies are developed. It reflects those needs of the community and all of its diversity. Yeah. Um, and then to actually look at those policies and determine whether they make sense in terms of the direction of the board. So to come up with a strategic plan, do the budgeting, well, most of it's enveloped. So it really is just a matter of, I shouldn't say just because it's still hundreds of millions of dollars right. you're, you're directing. You know, the school board actually has a much larger budget than, a t than the town of Whitby, for example. Our budget at the school board is over a billion dollars. Jeez. Yeah. So you're in charge. <laughs> so can I get a loan? Like yeah, it's not my money, <laughs> and I'm never going to treat it as such. Um, but it gives them a little bit of, of power to move some things around. So, for example, our school board moves more money than we're given into special education because okay. there's such a gap there with the funding formula. But it really is somebody who's going to be a critical thinker and, and get to that table and say, hey, these voices are missing from these discussions or this is missing, or why aren't we talking about poverty, or why aren't we speaking about accessibility, or 
or about anti-Black racism or any sort of number of things that really need to be embedded in all of the work the school board does. Um, yeah, it's and it's a big job. It's a big, big job. Yeah, that that's huge. So basically, you're, you are, again, the voice of the people. Is, that, is what is basically what your role is. You you come together. You see why we're not talking and why not we're discussing, you know, X, Y, and Z, and how can we put it in place so that the school board identifies it and starts to build uh, a, a curriculum around that or some kind of policy in place to address it. Yeah, and and it's funny because I think the school board, you know, it gets a lot of a lot of um, criticism, and I understand why because it's a frustrating system, right? It is a very frustrating oh, system. Yeah. It's underfunded. It doesn't manage itself well in lots of ways. But I will say, I I genuinely believe that the people that are working there, for the most part, are really committed to actually creating a good path for students. The problem is, how do you do that with the, within the limitations that we have? Right. And and that's just that's a big picture project, and that's why you need people who are going to be insistent and engaged and really focused on on that work. Now, with all the money that they have, why hasn't that or why hasn't it been done before? Or when I say this, I shouldn't say it hasn't been done before, but why hasn't somebody like yourself really stepped up to the plate to get all these things done to rework the, the the funding so you know we have education for racism we have education for people for special needs and stuff not not just for those people but for everybody else to understand what the culture is is being and, and what is becoming of how vast and multicultural our our system is yeah i think i think the challenge has been there wasn't the will to do it truly Right. Uh, and I think now there is. And I see that on the school board. I mean, we, you know, we passed a human rights policy and an indigenous rights policy this right. year. It was very controversial. And I stand behind what we did. And I, it, would I like to change some aspects of it? Yes, but it needed to, there needed to be a starting point. Right. The Catholics, the Catholic school board rejected a similar policy and they took out all of the things like anti-black racism, anti-Muslim hate, and you know, the things yeah. that are real yeah. in my view. And so to, in my mind, the school board is on the right track, but it's going to need people who are going to make sure that it stays there, that it's not that that beginning is only that just the beginning. Right. Now, how did you become a trustee? I like everybody else. I ran. And so I had run in a provincial election okay, and yeah, I didn't I win. That, yes. Yeah. yeah, I didn't win. And I was I, frankly grateful in the end that I didn't win because I didn't think that I would enjoy sitting with this government <laughs> in the house. And I also don't think that I might, you know, I would have been able to use my voice in the same way. I wasn't constrained on the school board and in that respect. And so I thought when I was asked to run by a friend of mine, right. I, I thought about it and I realized that I, education was going to be under attack with this provincial government. Of course. Yeah, and I, I saw it and I thought, hmm, I I have the capacity to actually critically evaluate what is being said and how and and push for the things as much as I can push within the system that is there. You know, I can at least do that. So I I ran and I won by a fair margin, actually. Nice. Um, and I've done my very best to serve really carefully and diligently and make sure that every decision that I was asked to make actually reflected 
the diversity of our community uh, instead of l- the limited voices that have been on the school board for so long. Wow. That's incredible. Man. And, that, and, you know, congratulations to you and also congratulations to, to what you stand for and what you're planning to do. You know, I look forward, especially since I have uh, nieces and nephews that are in the uh, Durham School Board. So I look forward to see the changes and, and to see what's going to happen in, in the future, especially for them. Yeah, I look forward to that, too, because I, you know, I don't I don't just talk about these things because people think they sound good. I actually believe them and the idea that every child can go to, you know, go to an educational institution and and be comfortable in their own skin and be comfortable with who they are and be, you know, be uh, see themselves reflected in the books that are read and 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 in the staff that teach them and. It changes everything, right? It changes everything. It's true. I mean, when you see, when you, for lack of a better word, when you see your own doing something positive, you know, it allows you to say that, hey, I can do that. And when all you see is, is, especially if you're a different race, all you see is somebody else doing all these things and nobody that is of your race or background or anything like that doing anything, then, yeah, it kind of limits your, your, perspective so it limits what you you believe yeah and that's the problem i think right you if you don't give people especially kids if you don't give them hope that and belief that that they can be something else like yeah then they 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 won't and that's the very least of what an educational system should do right create critical thinkers who have a deep belief in their own capacity to do something wonderful that's amazing. I, I honestly, I really like what you just said. I really like what you're standing for. So hats off to you. Well, so it's let's... not just me. There's lots of work, right? <laughs> well, it's yeah, lots it's, of work it's... and lots of people, but I'm happy to I'm happy to work with whoever wants to work on these things because it's gonna take all of us. Well do you have a do you have a team that that you that you put together that are like minded as your, as yourself, or are you now searching for a team? So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty blessed in terms of I've done a lot of work in the community so I am surrounded by good people who who are committed to community and community in in a real sense you know a community for everybody. Right. And I'm I'm very proud of the team that we have. We have a, a tremendous number of volunteers helping and whatnot in this election. Right. And and that that I think is reflective of um, shared belief systems deep commitment to changing the status quo because it's not good enough. Well, that's true. So, yeah. So I, I think really that we've, we've done a good job with that part of it, but I also think we have to do a better job of reaching out to other like-minded people and groups so that we can actually change the systems. One person can't do that alone. So it really is a matter of looking to allies who who are committed, you know, to the same path of change. Right. Now, just out of curiosity, have you mm-hmm. come across any kind of resistance for what you're trying to do? All kinds of it. Um, <laughs> of the, <laughs> all, all kinds of it. The school board was very contentious. Right. Um, and I understand that when you're asking people to challenge ingrained ideas yes. um, and to step outside of self to look at the experience of others, that's a hard thing. Um, so, you know, when I teach these things, I talk about, I can't change the way you think, but I can tell you that you have to change your behavior because the law requires it. Right. So I took that approach. 
right? Like this isn't about changing what you think. This is about doing what you must do. Right. And you must do it because it's what is demanded by the community. That's right. Well, I mean, you're going to get resistance either which way. Because yep. change, is, change is never easy. And changing uh, people's people's behaviors and changing people's thought patterns is never an easy thing. It's always a challenge because, like you said, they always stick to what's, what they know, right? Most but it's worth do doing. Yeah. And if you don't give people the opportunity to change and give them a little bit of space to do it, they won't do it. So the last thing I'm going to do is shove people in a corner and tell them, you know, just to stop. I'm actually going to say, let me engage with your ideas. I mean, I'm respectfully always. Right. But let's actually talk about this. Let's talk about fairness. Let me show you why I know the system is set up to, you know, to create barriers for people. It, it's indisputable when you when you look at it objectively from a, just a numbers perspective. Right. It's indisputable. Of course. And so I just, I, I keep coming back to logic and feelings. If you can get them on one of those things, <laughs> you have the capacity to move it forward. Perfect. So... Now, you because you, you've done this, you, you're a trustee, and now you want to get into being a counselor for Whitby Central Ward. My, yes. My area. Woohoo! Yay! It's a great <laughs> community, right? It's a great place to live. It genuinely is. I've been here, honestly, I've been here 11, uh, going on 12 years. And, um, yeah, Whitby wasn't my first choice, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I get it. when I moved up here... It was really quiet. It was very peaceful. And this yeah. is what I fell in love with. And the people, to be honest with you, the people are actually quite friendly most yeah. of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Not <laughs> um, always, but not I always, agree with that. Most, yeah, most of the time. Most of the time. The people are, are friendly and, and thing. I'm a, I live at Whitby Shore, so I'm down by the lake. And, you know, I see people walking and walking their dogs and running and stuff. And we have chit-chat conversations and People are very friendly. I, you know, the one thing I learned during Caremongers, which was like a, a, an organization I ran during the pandemic, okay, was that people really, really want to be connected, and socialization. And we absolutely, and it wasn't just because of the pandemic, but what it showed me was that people actually feel very disconnected. Yes. And so I keep I keep reflecting on how do we actually rebuild community connection in this like neighborhood kind of way, right? right? Neighbor to neighbor, because it made all like all of the difference for people. It created hope in a time that was hopeless. If you can do that by just reaching out to one another, we've got all kinds of capacity to build the best place to live. Truly, the best place to live. And you know what? Um, I, you're you're correct on that. Even just doing something simple as having a community community website or um what we have is the would be shores uh bulletin board and the facebook groups and whatnot so forth just to involve inclusion and to get everybody to come together so that you can have your opinion on what's going on so uh, i have a vision of creating something like that but for all of center ward okay and this are with sort of subgroups of the various neighborhoods but that's just a positive space right. where people can share good things, where they can help each other, where they can be connected in that way. I don't want to create a space. So when we did Caremongers, we were very clear, like this page will not be for complaining. Right. It will not be about criticism. It will be only about helping. And I feel like if we create something like that, 
that has all kinds of potential to do exactly what caremongers did just on a bigger scale. People actually want to help each other. They want to be connected. They want to feel a part of a community. Well, Maybe not everybody. You, exactly. And it also makes you, sorry to cut you, it also makes you feel good to know that, you know, something that you posted or, or something that you said helps somebody else out or inspires somebody to do something else, right? It makes you want to do more. That's the beautiful thing about it is that it just it creates a circle of giving. And it just goes on and on and on. And I would love to be, I would love to help create more of that in our town. So your campaign now, you decided to get into this because you want to see some change. You want to see some new development or some social change in the Whitby community. So honestly, I, you know, I, I'm going to be blunt and this is probably an ill-advised thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a great desire to be a town counselor. Okay. But I have a strong desire to have a community that is actually reflective of our voices, all of our voices. And I don't think we do. And I say that because I watched, I mean, I didn't sit back quietly and watched. I certainly came out publicly about it. But I saw these projects being proposed for our community that just didn't make any sense. And I thought, why is it that, you know, everybody I know is opposed to these things and our counselor is voting for them? And... It was remarkable to me that, you know, if you are an elected official, it isn't your voice that matters. It is the voice of your constituents. You don't even have to agree. That's right. I mean, there it may be that, you know, I'm just going to be blunt and say if I had, you know, a bunch of racist constituents, I wouldn't be representing their views. But if it is about community development, about safe streets, about um, about really how do you create a vision for a community for the places that we live i think i think that really matters and the metro links thing really sent me over the edge <laughs> metro links <laughs> i know i can't even i can't even talk about it without being enraged at the way it was handled both by the town and metro links in the region it, well, i guess that's not both all of them all of them yeah all yeah, of them I mean, it was big corporation you know how that works but, I do, but you know, I also know that if you just give up in advance, then you get none of what you need. You only get what you don't want. And that's what I, in my view, that's what our council did. They gave up without actually trying to figure out. Yeah. And there's lots worth fighting for down there. The downtown could be vibrant and beautiful. It has tons of potential. Yeah, it it, it does. No, sorry. It's untapped potential, like our lakefront, right? It's It's just tons of untapped potential. And yeah. putting a bus, their vision was initially was shut down Dundas Street, send all of that traffic into historic neighborhoods yep. that are not designed for it. So I say historic not because, you know, I mean, I do care about historic preservation, frankly, but not because of that. I'm not trying to protect just the, you know, yeah, people think it's nimbyism, you know, not in my backyard. And yeah. I'm like, that's not the issue. The issue is these streets are not designed for this. So those streets are actually the ones where people walk all the time. You're actually making the area less walkable, not yeah. more. It doesn't, it's just, there's not grand thinking about what this does and how it does it. It's it's almost like this piecemeal approach to development in our ward, and it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Development is always crazy. Like, even if you look at just outside of Whitby, you know, in Toronto and stuff like that with the with the LRT line and Anything that yeah. they're doing, the amount of chaos and inconvenience that. But if you're going to vote for that, 
<laughs> if you're going to vote for chaos and inconvenience, you better be sure it's the right thing. Yeah. It's, and it's here, true. there wasn't a, a study of any kind from like that was independent of Metrolinks. There was no, there was nothing. It, in my view, and this won't be a popular thing to say to existing councils, I'm sure, but it was lazy. It was like, we'll just let Metrolinks come in and they're going to, you know, you can't stop Metrolinks. And I'm like, you don't have to try to stop buses, right? Like, it's not that the bus isn't the problem. Right. People need public transportation yes. for sure. The problem is the way it's being designed, the harm that it's going to cause, the lack of insight, the lack of community, genuine community consultation. It was, it was all of it. It's just been so mishandled. So I haven't given up on that. Like, you know, I understand that Metrolinx is going to do what Metrolinx does. It has uh, more power than the town. That's correct. But I'm not, I'm not done fighting for changes to that plan that actually will better protect our communities. But that's so mm -hmm. go on, sorry. Someone has to, somebody has to do it because it's not what we want. And it's not that we, we don't want it because we just want to keep public transit out. We don't want it because the way it's been designed makes no sense. Right. Exactly. And that, and that's the whole thing. Like if it doesn't make sense, why do it? But I will say this coming from, the uh, place that I work, that is always our going model. If it doesn't make sense, the company's going to do it, plain and simple. You know, regardless of of what its employees say or what the the people say, saying okay, well, this doesn't make any sense. They're still going to do it, and then, you know, they'll deal with the consequences afterwards and say, oh, hey, well, we're we're sorry, or you know, we're sorry we did this, and then more problems arise when you don't take the time out to actually listen to the people that you're actually going to interrupt or the people that live in that community or area, you know, when they're saying, okay, well, this doesn't make any sense. You should actually take a listen to them. Or like you said, do an independent study to say, Hey, what is going to be the impact of doing this? But when you just yeah. say, okay, you know, I'm not going to get too much into the greed of politics, but you know, when you just, <laughs> when you, when you just say, okay, well, sure. We'll let you do this and, and we won't worry about anything. It becomes a problem. Well, and that's what they do when they don't have a vision, frankly. Right. And there's just far too many people who get elected that don't have a vision other than to be elected. And <laughs> we can talk about this forever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I always say that, like city planning, if you're, if you're building up a city, don't you think that you should have like a 30-year plan where whether you're elected or not the the next elected officials can still continue to do this 30-year plan as long as the 30-year plan is still viable yeah every, and you just every, review it right exactly. you have a plan and you review it but you stick to it and that's the problem with downtown it needs like almost like a checklist what does this downtown need check right. check check instead you know what it doesn't need to be shut down and have all the traffic divert because that actually will not create a walkable downtown like exactly. that was the idea from our council and it makes no sense exactly anyways so <laughs> i also you know on the on the issue of of development though one of the things that i find really extraordinary is that nobody's even talking about sort of inclusionary um inclusionary policies for housing right right like we have a dire need for affordable housing including for seniors yeah we we need inclusionary zoning we have to develop a policy people keep saying you know i'm all for affordable housing well if that were true then where's your policy where's your work on this because i've not seen it and these are people who've been sitting on council for eight years i have not seen a single one of them actually talk about 
affordable housing other than to say we need affordable housing? Well, that's trite and it doesn't mean anything. How are you going to get it? And what does affordable housing mean? Because just creating, you know, more townhouses that cost a million dollars doesn't create affordability. Exactly. So I like I just feel like there is a gap on our council. It 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 runs very conservative. And that's okay, right? You need diverse voices from communities. But the problem is if every voice sounds the same, you're missing a huge swath of need and it doesn't get addressed in a deep and fundamental way. So I'm hoping that we change that. Well, um, you know, you sound like you're on the right track. Well, let me ask you this question. With everything that you have going on, with with you being a labor lawyer, with you being a trustee, and, and all those are demanding, how are you going to juggle your time with doing this council, with being well, a council member? So I look at it this way. Um, so I've spoken with my employer and they're very supportive of my doing it. So that's helpful. I, I have a flexible job, okay. frankly. So that's helpful as well. But ultimately I looked at it this way. As a school board trustee, I think probably because I was a lawyer, I, I had a, a tremendous number of calls and, and talk to parents every, you know, and educators yeah. and staff every day, far, probably far more than most people did because I think people felt, and that's my sense at least, that people felt like I might have some answers that would be useful. Um, and so between that and the committee structure and the meetings, it's not, I don't think it's a higher demand job. And I managed to be a lawyer and be a school board trustee at the same time. So once the term ends, you know, whether I win or not, I will not be a school board trustee. So okay. I, I will either be just in my job or I will be in my job and as a council member. And I'm confident that I can manage both of those. Uh, listen, if I can manage being a teenage mom, going to university, working full time and dealing with a chronic illness, I can do this. Well, listen, you know what? You're you're very multi, multi-talented. And uh, I think that you, you, you'll be okay. I honestly well, think so. I appreciate that. And the thing is, if I'm not, then, you know, I'll think about the commitment that I've made and we'll, and we'll I will I will we'll, address we'll, we'll it. Just yeah. Vote you out. We'll say, hey, no, no, you're not doing what you said you're going to do. And I would deserve to be voted out. You know. So what other yeah. plans do you have as as council? What other plans do you have or envisions that you have for the city? Like, what is your platform that people want to know why they should vote for you? Sure. So uh, what I did, I think I did something a little bit different. Instead of going to people's doors and telling them what I was going to do, I asked them what they cared about. What did they want to see? Because no one has ever asked me that at my door before. It's true. Yeah. So when we spoke, they essentially, people pretty much said the same thing. There's some, cha- you know, some some minor differences, but they, they spoke to, they'd like to see waterfront development. Now, they don't all want the same kind of things at the waterfront, but everybody wants to see a better waterfront. They wanted to see better downtown, like a better downtown, something that is walkable, a destination to go, essentially. Yeah. They wanted safer streets, and I think that's probably the highest priority for people. Um, the traffic incursion into neighborhoods from the growth without roads to support it or mm-hmm. transit to support it has been an issue for them. Yeah. And if you live in the center ward, and particularly the downtown area of center ward, you feel it from the GO station and whatnot. Um, but essentially the problem isn't just the volume of traffic, it's the speed of traffic and the need for traffic calming measures. So we need things like, you know, we definitely need speed bumps, but we need traffic enforcement, more four-way stops, maybe cutouts in the road. We need things to not look like they're speedways 
so that people naturally slow down. And there are tons of ways to do that, but very little uh, actually being done. So I know that the person I'm running against actually spoke about traffic circles, and they do work, right? They do work, but yep. Centre Ward doesn't have space for traffic circles. Oh, no. So that's not real in our ward. It's good in new development, yeah, but that won't work in our ward. Yeah, exactly. I've um, seen, so, so, go on, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just think you have to look at all of those measures and start implementing them. And I know that there's a cost to it, but ultimately there's a much greater cost to having unsafe roads. And that is going to be an accident and somebody is going to be seriously injured or worse. I mean, yeah, the traffic, the traffic downtown is, especially since they're doing the the construction just now, just up before, before Roslyn there. And it just gets funneled and traffic is always heavy. That's why I avoid going down that way as much as possible. So, yeah, I I get it where where traffic and safety and and everything like that comes through. And especially in some of the communities where um, being safe is just an issue. Like, you know, you have to worry if there's been a few break-ins as of late, you know, cars being broken into and everything like that. So, yeah, the the more... Yeah, that's... Sorry, that, I sorry. interrupted. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. The more that the, the more that we can do something about that, you know, Whitby is still probably one of the safest places to be. But with everything that's that's happening, you know, you start to wonder, hey, what's going on? Is this Yeah, and part of that is real, right? Exactly, part of that yeah. is real and part of it is perception for sure. But here's here's what I think. If you're going to put in a project like Metrolinx, you're going to have to actually think about the profound impact of all of that, which means if you move that traffic onto the, you know, which are essentially Dunlop and Mary Street yeah. on the other side, then you create no walkability there. And that actually, when you don't have people walking, you actually create greater safety risks because suddenly it's a quieter place where, where things are more likely to happen. Right. And that, that was one of the things that I don't think that the council understood. When they were first talking about like entirely shutting down Dundas Street, I said, so you're creating a space where no cars go at night, where there's no traffic at night. Right. What do you think is going to happen from a safety perspective? Yes, yeah, true. And no, no one actually turned their minds to it. Well, that's because nobody really, well, I'll say this lightly, nobody really cares. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, they're just looking at the the picture of, hey, we're going to get this done and we're going to look great to everybody else, but they're not looking at the actual impact of the communities that are going to be surrounded by this interruption. And like you said, if there's no cars going through on the street, then it becomes quiet and it makes it easier for things to happen. Not saying that, you know, all of a sudden the crime rate's going to go up, but it is a possibility. You're right. But it's something you actually have to consider. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and I agree, it may not go up, but there are all kinds of places across in North America where they actually did exactly this, this many years ago with the idea that it was going to create like walkability and hubs and, and people would, you know, be hanging out in those spaces, but they became essentially ghost towns. Exactly. exactly. And that creates a safety risk. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Now, you are a person that speaks their mind. I can clearly... Yes clearly see this from this conversation and you know (laughs) and uh, as you said you have no qualms of saying things that may be detrimental to your running but it is who you are so that being said you don't have any concern about 
the way that you I mean, I know you're you're going to speak in a polite way, but you have no problems with telling people how you feel about them or what they're doing with their policies, correct? So I will always be respectful of people. Right. And I have demonstrated that the board, even when we had very tense, difficult discussions around, you know, sexual orientation and right. gender and race, and these were hard conversations and I've never been disrespectful in one and I will never will be because I can disrespect your idea, but I'm not going to disrespect you as a human being. Right. Uh, that is my bottom line. I'm not scared to speak my mind because I think more people need to. And I think more politicians need to, frankly, um, <laughs> I, I will never be somebody who talks in circles. I will tell you what I think and I will deal with the consequences of it because that's the, to me, that's the job. And that is the job. And you know what? Just for that alone, I would vote for you. Well, just, I appreciate just, that. Just for that alone, because you know what? There's, there's a lot of people that, as you said, are politicians, you know, that talk in circles that do the, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. But when they get elected, oh, well, you know, we can't do this anymore. Or, or I changed my mind. I'm going to go do this way and that way. And You know why I think that happens, Angus? What? I think it happens because people don't actually understand the limitations of what they can and can't do. Yeah. It's like I'm watching people run for different positions and they're saying, I'm going to do these things. And I'm like, yeah, you don't have any legal authority to do those things. But they don't know that. And that's why I wish candidates actually instead of like – like they get often emboldened by an idea right. and that's good, but you still have to understand the legal framework in which you're working. And right. I think that's a problem or even like the authority that you have. And I, and I think the reason that we have so many politicians who have to backwards, you know, backstep when, when they get into office is because they haven't done the homework up front to say, is this something we can do? Like I'm talking exclusion, inclusionary zoning right? so that we can actually have affordable units for people. Right. Because I would like, I don't know, our kids to be able to live near us and our <laughs> our, our, fa our parents to be able to do the Jeez. same when they're older. Yeah. Seems important to me. I recognize all of the legal roadblocks to that. Doesn't mean that I don't have a plan on how to start addressing them, but it's not an easy thing to do. So I don't pretend that it is. Right. But and the problem is people Sorry, pretend. Mm -hmm. People pretend. And it's time to stop pretending and be real. And Even if it's not palatable. Sorry, no, I keep no, interrupting no, no. you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you're finishing off your sentence, so go ahead. I just think, you know, it doesn't matter if it's palatable or not. If it's true, you speak your, you speak the truth, and you explain up front the limitations of of where you are, and and you express what you're going to fight for and how. And if you're not doing that, if you're just speaking in kind of vague platitudes, like I want, you know, I yeah. want to create more jobs. Great, so do I. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? But nobody actually talks about that because they don't know. They just. <laughs> it just sounds good. They, yeah, exactly. It sounds like, oh, yeah, we want more jobs. Let's elect them. Well, tell me how. Tell me what your plan is. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care what your family did. I don't care about any of those things. What I care about is what are your pl plans to actually make life better for people? That's all I care about. I, what I'm... are your plans and how are you going to do it? Exactly. And as my father used to say, a lot of politicians talk a lot of fart. And, uh, you know, when they get in there, they can't do anything. And you're right. You know, as a an official or somebody who's going to be running, you should be able to look at what you can actually do before you start talking your platform, saying that I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, if you can't legally do it. That being said, do you think that having 
a legal background as you do helps you understand and helps you project what your um, platform is going to be because you actually know the legal ramifications and you know the, the legal situations of what you can and cannot do. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think everybody needs to be a lawyer, and I wouldn't want a room full of lawyers. Goodness. That would uh, be a problem. <laughs> yeah, that would be a huge problem. Nobody would ever agree on anything, and, you know, we'd be wrong about most things. But I do think that what what skill set I've developed over time, maybe because of the kind of work I do, is is, you know, deeply analytical. And so I can look at an issue and be like, okay, so from a people perspective, this is what I want. Right. How do I get there? Because that's how cases are, right? As a litigator, you actually have to figure out, okay, this is the outcome I want. How do I get there? And and part of that is understanding the legal structures and also understanding the way people feel about things and the way they're likely to react to things so you know what evidence to call or whatnot. So I feel like it's a highly useful skill set Yes. Um, because you at least know where you need to look to find the answers you don't have. Yeah. And, and that's that's where you have to be. Right. That's what yeah. you want to do. So. But I also think it's important that, you know, there are all kinds of different people on councils from from people who are, you know, white collar workers to blue collar workers to everything in between. But what I know for sure that we don't need are just people who are career politicians yeah. who have never worked and who never want to. <laughs> what, what, what are you saying? Politicians don't work since when? What you... I want to well, be a, I, I really be a politician because I think that. You know, I can kiss babies and I can look good saying a couple yeah. lines here and there and, and, and still get in <laughs> You won't feel good about it, though, right? Good good people don't feel good no, about not true. doing things. It's, it's true. It's true. You get frustrated and then you just end up quitting and say, hey, I can't do this because my hands are tied. And I find a, a lot of resistance to anything that I'm trying to do. So good on you for sticking your ground and working towards this goal. Um you said that you you asked people what they want to see what was the most common factor of when you were when you are campaigning what people want to see in the city i think most the most part people just want to be safe and they want to feel safe i that is the underlying message from all of those things so they want a waterfront that's developed but they want it to be safe right, right. they want to they want to be able to go down there and enjoy it with their families and and, you know, be able to have a, a beverage or a snack of some kind. Some restaurants are frequently right. cited as a, a desire down there. Other people want, like, quiet, reflective space. But they're, they also say as, you know, they don't want the road to become a speedway while all that extra traffic pours in there and, right. and that kind of thing. But one of the things that I think is interesting around safety is that people have this idea that the only way to create safety is to have more police. And I say things like, Listen, policing is an important component of community safety. I'm not denying that. It is important. Um, but we also need, you know, programming for kids. We need things for youth to do. We need, yep. yeah, we, we need to actually look at this as a social problem. If you don't address it up front, you're going, you're not going to have the, the police are going to be there to address what's happening after the fact. That's too late. Yeah. You know, the, you, you hit, you hit something that I've been talking about for a while when you take away especially for our young our young kids and, and those that are coming up when you take away their activities and places that they can actually go to quote unquote hang out or to socialize then all they're going to get into is mischief 
right? If you if you don't have any programs or if you don't have any parks where you know they can go and hang out with their friends and play basketball or let's say pick up hockey or street hockey or whatever the case may be, you know, then the only thing that they're gonna start doing is, is loitering and hanging out and then they're gonna start getting into trouble. They're gonna start, you know, doing graffitis on 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 properties you know, just for fun you know they're gonna break into break a window and, and run away or, or whatever the case may be you know you always have to have something for the youth to do so that they don't go to that next level well i'm bored so let's let's do this let's you know smash a couple of cars just for fun and see funnel that energy yeah, that youthful that energy, energy into something positive for right. sure so on that case, what do you what do you think or what do you have planned to do? So I I think the I think the town is going to have to review the kind of programming it supports for youth. Frankly, I'm not sure that it's in touch with modern day youth. <laughs> um, tr- like truly, so I think it actually does a really good job of its seniors programming. Yes. And I and I feel like they actually need to have some youth come in and actually talk about what would work better. You know, like this idea of youth drop-ins, does that work anymore when kids mostly socialize from home? But maybe right. there are things they can support online. Maybe there are different ways of engaging that, you know, that create different kinds of opportunities to create connections within a community. And I, and I'm not sure I have the answers, but I'm happy to ask questions and to listen to the people who do. Well, that's cool. And I mean, I think with the youth, it also is a social factor, too. I mean... totally. Yes, with the the internet and IG and everything like that, most things are online now. But I still think that a lot of a lot of the youth need to be connected or want to feel connected, but they don't have the social su- structure to do that. Right. Like, so let's give them a chance to do that online and then move that into the real world, right? Exactly. We can create communities of interest where kids who have the same interests can meet other kids and then have events or programming that supports you know those interests and those connections i don't think we think of i don't think we think big picture we think like oh we should offer swimming and we should we should offer you know whatever it is and we probably should but maybe we should actually think about how do we actually connect kids how do we make sure kids have things they are interested in doing ask them like ask them and you know what? In truth, that's all you need to do is just ask somebody. And when you ask them, you actually pique their interest because now they're thinking, okay, you know, somebody's actually taking the time to ask me a question. What do I feel? How do I feel about this? What do I want to see? And, you know, it gives it gives the youth an opportunity to sit down and say, okay, well, this is what we, we would like to do or this is some of the thoughts that we have. And then you include everybody right it's not just you know white black you get everybody you know maybe we can stop telling people what they want and we can actually start involving them in conversations exactly have a conversation and i think that's how most things get done you know if you simply sit there and and have like you and i we're having a a simple conversation and things will get done right Yeah, because conversations are powerful right conversations that turn into action are powerful but nobody wants to have those conversations. They want to act without actually doing the work up front. And that is, it's that lazy mentality, you know. It's like, okay, well, I got to do this work. And I don't really yeah. want to do the work. It should just come easy to me or it should just pop into my, my lap and, and be done. So, 
well, then they should move along. <laughs> Those people should move along. You guys need to need to resign. Let somebody yeah, else that wants do. to do the job come and do the job. You know? Yeah. So, as a, a school board trustee, you said something that that might end when your term is done. Is that yeah. what I heard correctly? Yeah, my and my term ends when the election just after the election. So I think our last meeting is November, and a new board will um, begin sitting in December. And I know there's some great candidates running, okay, including in Whitby, and I'm I'm very excited about a few of them, okay, uh, including Akua Frempong, who I think is a remarkable, remarkable, um, like just brilliant thinker, compassionate human, engaged in community would be a stellar trustee. Okay. And I, you know, we have several like that that are running and I'm excited to see um, people from diverse backgrounds in, in all of the jurisdictions really running because I think that the board has been very uniform for far too long and it needs, um, it needs perspective. Cool. And if you get elected as a counselor, mm -hmm. how long is your term for? Four years. Ah, the four years. Everything is always four years. It's always so four years. What is your last question? Because I know you have to go soon. Um, what yeah. is your long-term vision? If, if you get a, if you get into election, if you get elected, what is your long-term yeah. vision? So, I, my long-term vision is really about creating the plans that are necessary for whoever's in that role. To carry on with a long-term vision right so for example if we're talking downtown let's bring together you know the downtown whitby steering committee residents the bia everybody who has a stake in what's happening and let's have a discussion about what what is our downtown because right now we're told it's a historic downtown right we're told it's you know a, a tech hub we're told it's essentially a bypass for Metrolinx. so we better figure out what that is because those are not reconcilable so let's create a vision that might take some time to work itself out, but let's do it. And then let's start piece by piece going through it because then it doesn't matter who's elected. All that matters is that the community has determined what it's, the community is going to be. And all that it will require is somebody to follow through regardless of who that is. And frankly, some politicians, not all, but some are lazy. And so I would rather leave in plan, in place a plan for them to just pick up and run with. So my, my, my sort of ultimate goal is let's create a vision for the waterfront. Let's actually do that. Let's do that for the downtown. And in terms of a housing strategy, let's actually, if I can get an inclusionary zoning policy passed right. in this term, it will be the best thing that I could do for people. And I know it because it will actually fundamentally impact life. Now, what is, just out of curiosity, what is an inclusionary zoning well, it essentially requires developers to put in X number or a percentage of, of affordable units in every housing development. And that's true of whether it's ownership or it's true of whether it's rental. And, and it's so desperately needed. In fact, it's really the only tool that, that governments, you know, municipal governments have available to them that can actually help to develop affordable housing through the market. It's the, it's the only tool they have. And I, I don't understand why we don't have something like that. I know there will be resistance. I know developers won't like it, but developers benefit a lot from our community and it's time that uh, they're asked to give back. Yeah. I mean, the, the housing market is crazy right now. Like even, even like a basement apartment, 
you know, it's going upwards of fifteen, fifteen hundred to two grand. You know, it's one, obscene. One, it's it's crazy. Like yeah. you can't like even even myself, I can't even if I sold my house, I can't afford to live here in Whitby. No, and that's true for so many. And so when you think about people who are retiring, many yeah. who don't have big pensions and that sort of thing, they're going to have to move from their communities. Yep. So and if we don't do something, that's what's going to happen. It's, it's true. And so, you know, how can one... So let's do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I mean, it's that no, simple. It's, it's, you you it's start with simple. a plan, right? Exactly. You start your plan and, and get it done, right? And that's that's the simplest thing that we can do. And yeah. it's fantastic that that's something that you wanna you wanna put in place because I mean it's an easy step to follow in and and if it if you start it and it works, then anybody that comes after you can do the same thing and say okay well we're gonna co just continue it because the plan is solid, right? Now yeah. you might have you know the next person come after after you might just say oh okay well you know they did this and it's not my legacy it's somebody else's legacy and I think that's what ha happens in 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 politics is that when the regime changes now that the new regime wants to have quote unquote their own legacy and they don't it's want true. to follow up with something that actually works you know what I'm saying yeah because that, it's, that's it's not true theirs, so mm -hmm. it's true but the reason i don't fear that on in terms of inclusionary zoning and inclusionary pol housing policies is because i don't think that they will be elected if they oppose it And I think that because the community needs it. Yeah. It's not a want. It's a it's a dire need. And it impacts everybody. You know, everybody wants their children to be able to live near them if they so choose. Everybody yes. wants their parents to be able to be near them as they age. Everybody wants the opportunity to stay in their community if that is what they desire. I don't know how any politician turns around and and tries to dismantle that. If if we can do it in this term and I will work with everyone. If I'm elected, I will work with everyone to make it happen. I will use every advocacy skill I have right. to push for it. And if they don't want to do it, then they can, they can, you know, wear that in, in the public because it is something the community desperately needs. Excellent. Well, I know you got to go in about six minutes. So how can somebody get in touch with you or how can they support your, your campaign? What are the avenues on social media that you have? Sure. Thank you for that. Um, so they can always email me. It's Nikki, N-I-K-I, at NikkiLundquist.ca. So uh, Nikki again, N-I-K-I, <laughs> and L-U-N-D-Q-U-I-S-T. Um, I'm, I'm actually pretty easy to find online. I, I do have, you know, Facebook and Instagram. Yep. I have avoided TikTok thus far, but, you know, <laughs> I'll fall. Like Listen, everybody I, else, I, I will I, fall I one day. I don't do the TikTok either, so I'm, I'm there with you. <laughs> but... Um, But really, they can also just call me and my number. I'm happy to share it. It's 289-404-9383. And I welcome hard questions. And I would be delighted to you know, hear other people's ideas. And I will always welcome that. Always. Excellent. So listen, listeners, you got the info. Uh, I'll also post it up when I post up this uh, interview online. This is Nikki Lundquist, beautiful human being. She is running for Whitby Central Ward. And, uh, yeah, I think, you know what? I think you're going to do well. I think that. I appreciate that. Just, just with this conversation, uh, those that are in Whitby, because I, I have a few listeners that are in Whitby, I think that they're, they're going to really hit you up with some questions for you. 
you know. I would and, be happy uh, to have them, truly. When you get elected and when you win, I will definitely have you back on the show and we can uh, talk in person. And um, yeah, that would be fantastic. Well, I really look forward to that conversation, Angus. I really appreciate you taking the time to pe- to invite me on today. No problem. Listen, we're talking with Nikki Lundquist. She is, again, a human rights lawyer. She is Durham School Board trustee, and she is running for Central Ward in Whitby. Listen, thanks again for, for having the time. I know you got a meeting to go to, so have a blessed day. Thank you, you again, too. Nikki, and we'll talk soon. All right. My pleasure entirely. Thanks, right. Angus. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, that was Nikki. She got to go. And, you know, we're going to pay some bills. Then we're going to come back, do a little something-something. All right. The streets is busy. Jay busy. Jay busy.